This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Travis Ryer, the BamaOnline.com staff, following Alabama 63-48 to win over the Ole Miss Rebels over in Oxford, Mississippi on Saturday night. Have you caught your breath yet? You able to breathe? Go easy. Deep, deep breaths. In and out. Wow. How about that one? Not a night for the uh, defensive purist, I would say. Kind of anticipated some of that, especially from the Ole Miss perspective. Dee's making her thoughts known right now. Hello, Bianca. How are you doing this evening? Kevin's not happy. Checking in here. Cody, uh, he's calling for some changes himself. Starla says, great game. There you go, Starla. You're a glass half empty, t- a glass half full type person. We like that here. But uh, 63-48, and you look at the numbers – and I know you don't want to hear too much about those uh, defensively because uh, for Ole Miss, it was a historic night in terms of its production against an Alabama defense. Over 600 yards. Uh, last time we saw that happen, I believe, was Auburn here in Tuscaloosa back in 2014 in the Iron Bowl that year. So uh, still a lot of question marks. And I know there's going to be a, a lot of uh, venom directed towards the the leadership and the guidance of that side of the ball. Um, some of it I think you can defend, some of it justifiable. Three games into the season, again, understanding that you're in an SEC-only schedule, you're not getting some sort of preseason games to get this thing going. Missouri looks a lot better right now, don't they? Or does maybe LSU just look that bad too after uh, giving up 45 to the Tigers there in Columbia, Missouri. But, um, you know, you're three games into this thing and you're still seeing fundamental lapses. That's the biggest concern. Still struggling to get lined up at times. Some of that you anticipate because Lane was going to give you tempo tonight. He was going to give you some hurry up. Uh, so there, there was some confusion that you kind of anticipated from time to time. But the fundamentals of football, I guess for me, are get lined up, play the proper leverage and or technique, and our coverage, um, and tackle. And Alabama just really struggled in all three areas of that tonight over at Vault-Hemingway Stadium. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, we all saw it. The numbers are what they are. It'll be interesting here in the postgame. I know Nick Saban is going to meet via Zoom teleconference with the media. Charlie Potter is going to have that covered for you there at BamaOnline.com. Um, it'll be interesting to see the stance Nick takes with all of this. You know, it's still, at the end of the day, a 15-point road win. You close it out with some authority 
Now, you were able to force a couple of field goals there in the fourth quarter, um, and you were able to offensively pretty much do whatever you wanted all night. And look, as much as Alabama's side of this thing is going to be what Alabama didn't do or couldn't do, you have to give a lot of credit to Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss offense. You know, we had talked about it all week. The matchups in this game on Saturday night were going to be similar to what Alabama had encountered each of the first two weeks with an emphasis on last week. And you see what Texas A&M did today offensively. Not against a great Florida defense, but still an impressive performance nonetheless because A&M has some people. Kellen Mond played well today. Anaya Smith continued to make some plays for A&M against Florida. Isaiah Spiller was great today for A&M at the running back position. I thought A&M actually got Florida blocked better than it did Alabama here in Tuscaloosa last week. So you you credit the opponent, you credit Lane, um, but you just never really got that thing contained. And again, it's the fundamentals that I'm sure are just killing Nick Saban and this coaching staff at this point. And Then you add the targeting penalty to Jordan Battle there late in the game. You look ahead to Georgia on Saturday, and you know the first half, you're probably looking at a pair of safeties to open that game that you finished the game tonight with. That was Daniel Wright back in the game after he had been replaced by DeMarco Hellams. So Hellams and Wright, you would think, are going to be your two starting safeties for Georgia next week. But you still have issues at the linebacker level and really from the outset. And you knew Kenny Yaboa, the tight end, was going to be targeted very early. And it wasn't, look, give Lane credit, but it wasn't redesigning the wheel type of stuff that he, he, he dialed up, you know? I mean, we saw the, it was kind of an ode to the Tim Tebow jump pass. Wasn't that like the 15-year anniversary of that this week? It's like Lane said, let me pay homage to, uh, to Tim Tebow and the, the jump pass the first time down the field. And so, you know, it was a tough night, no doubt, for the Alabama defense. And you really, when you did have an opportunity to take the ball away, you get called for a holding penalty, Millen, uh, Dylan Moses on Yaboa in the middle of the field. DeMarco Hellams has an interception. That gets wiped away by a penalty. And so you you already start thinking about Georgia. Here's here's the thing about next week. And I don't want to go too far into it because we're going to have plenty of time this week obviously to to ramp up for that one in Georgia. To me right now, just in terms of an all-around football team, especially with Stetson Bennett in there at the quarterback position, the resume for Georgia is far more impressive than anybody else in the SEC right now. It just is. I'm not saying that means Georgia's going to come in here and win next Saturday night. But if I wanted to say, I, you know, what's the team in the SEC right now you feel the best about in terms of their long-term prospects, right now it might be Georgia. I still say Alabama potentially can be that team as well. But if you can't tackle defensively on a consistent basis, and to start with, put yourself in position to tackle it's going to be really hard. And the thing about Georgia next week offensively is that it's not all that complex with what Georgia's going to come in here and try to do. They got a big offensive line, they got a stable of backs. They're going to try to pound the rock at this Alabama defense, which they absolutely should do at this point. Because look at what 
Look at what Ole Miss was able to do on the ground. Ole Miss came in averaging a respectable 155 on the game, on the ground. This year in the SEC, that's actually pretty good. And then tonight against Alabama, Ole Miss goes for nearly 270 rushing yards in the game. So, you know, you were worried about the explosive plays because of Jerry and Ely, because of uh, Elijah Moore, because of Corral and his dual threat ability. But ultimately, what it really came down to was – you couldn't tackle well enough tonight. And it, at one, it, it, the one side of that is it's encouraging because you would think tackling is fixable, but you're going to have to fix it in a hurry with this Georgia offense coming to town next week. Offensively, Mac Jones, amazing. You know, 28 of 32, another 400-yard game, second straight week. He only had two touchdown passes because Najee Harris continues to hog that portion of the statistical area of this team. Najee with a breakout game, 206 yards tonight, five rushing touchdowns. He kind of had the Devontae Smith game from a year ago, except he did it at the running back position. And I thought Alabama in the run game, especially from the pistol formation, did some good things. You know, maybe some more direct type runs. I mean, you still had lime and pulling, but you had a lot of stuff happening between the hash marks. And so you got to be encouraged by that. Alabama averaging 7.8 yards per carry um, after coming into the game just under four yards per carry through two games. So that was nice to see on the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of Devontae Smith's game against Ole Miss last year when he went for 274 and five touchdowns, well, he didn't do that tonight, but 164 on 13 catches and a touchdown, you'll take that. Jalen Waddell with his third straight 100-yard receiving game, you like that. Um, Miller Forrestal got into the end zone for the first time this season. And so, you know, offensively, what'd you punt once? I think Sam Johnson punted one time, and it really was a punt that should have been downed at the one, but it went off like Keem Wakuda's shin into the end zone. Uh, so it was not a night for the punters. But offensively, you feel great about what Alabama continues to do. You like seeing the production from the run game. I know there's Alabama fans that are at a at a point now where they're essentially like just throw it around on every down, but you're going to need some balance. You know, if you try to drop back and throw it 50 times next week, you're going to have a hard time keeping Mac Jones clean. You've got to be able to run it a little bit. What do we got gang? Anything on this Saturday night, late night, instant analysis, anything? Yeah, I know there's a, You know, it's interesting with the coaching staff in general because we heard from Nick Saban earlier in the week about what the constant turnover for those two years, how it negatively impacted, you know, last year's team especially, and how he really would like to try to maintain a sense of continuity. Um, But I'm sure, you know, there's continual evaluation. And especially when, again, it's not so much about scheme, or, you know, what you're trying to do defensively, X's and O's. It's about fundamentals. And, oh, look, Saban not only participates heavily in every practice, he rewatches practices. So he knows what's being taught. He knows what's being emphasized. He knows who's taking the coaching and doing it as well as anybody else at a particular spot. Um, So where that concerns you is that he obviously feels like 
the best Alabama can put on the field defensively right now and the best that Alabama can have coaching the guys they're putting on the field are the guys they have right now. Yeah, Jim, there were a number of guys, I thought, in the game from an injury standpoint, looked like they got nicked up a little bit. You saw Jalen Waddle gimping around a little bit uh, in the first half. Looked like Devontae Smith was getting an ankle wrapped, ankle taped uh, there later in the game. Uh, you know, the defense played a ton of snaps. And, uh, I mean, you're talking about 86 plays for Ole Miss tonight. And when you're a guy like Christian Harris and you're now an every-down guy and, you know, an offense is kind of having its way with you, it's probably not going to feel good by the time the clock hits triple zeros. Yeah, that, that was, you know, the thing again, talking about this earlier. This wasn't a surprise what you got from Ole Miss offensively tonight. And, again, this isn't to discount the performances of guys like Matt Corral Jerry and Ely, Elijah Moore, Kenny Yaboa. But if you read my stuff all week at BamaOnline.com, who did we talk about? We talked about those guys. So you know that going from Texas A&M to Ole Miss, even in terms of what Ole Miss likes to do and what Jimbo does, it, it's not the same. But as far as personnel and how it's featured, it's almost like for like. Jalen Weidemeyer for Texas A&M, Kenny Yaboa for Ole Miss. Now, Yaboa is going to hurt you more vertically than Weidermeyer will, but still, the matchups, you're thinking about, okay, inside linebacker safeties, maybe even my star defender, depending on the formation. Might get Malachi Moore undersized a little bit, matched up on a 6-4 tight end that's similar to Kyle Pitts of Florida in terms of his skill set. So that, to me, was one of the most concerning things about tonight, was that it shouldn't have been uh, a 180 during the week in terms of the preparation. You, you were preparing for a lot of the same type of obstacles that you just had with Texas A&M. And, um, you know, Alabama. Fundamentally, though, again, I go back to that as much as anything. Missed tackles, poor angles. You know, sometimes you're wondering where's everybody else at? You know, do, do these guys rally? How many times do you see more than one or two Alabama guys around the football at the end of a play? It got better late in the game. I think maybe Ole Miss's offense gassed itself. It ran so many plays. But not enough. Like last year, you didn't see enough guys getting to the ball. you got to get numbers to the ball, man. And uh, you still have too many times where it's, 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 a, it's one or two guys. And But I will say this about tonight, and you'll probably think I'm crazy. Tonight was bigger than next Saturday. And you know why? Because tonight was a divisional game. You lose tonight, you got to win next Saturday. And I know, look, I know what the standard is. I know what the bar is. I know what the numbers are. Nick Saban against his assistant coaches, 20-0, and and Kirby's coming in here. And I know all Alabama fans want to beat Kirby. But in terms of getting to your ultimate destination, you had to win tonight. So, I know, that sounds crazy. Thank you for being here, Mark. Appreciate that. You know, we talked about battle earlier with the targeting and, um, you know, how that's going to impact the safety position for the first half next week. I think, you know, 
you're probably looking at Daniel right back in there with DeMarco Ellums. And yes, you're going to have another tight end in the mix next week. If you saw the Tennessee-Georgia game today, who did you see for Georgia? Trey McKitty, right? The Florida State grad transfer. Saw Georgia get him incorporated in the passing game. I'm pretty sure he'll get targeted early next week. Yeah, Tim, we lose sight of that, you know, after a game like that. But, you know, look at the SEC West today. And give Texas A&M credit for the win over Florida. But Kentucky Kentucky gave up two points to Mike to Mike Leach tonight. <laughs> 24 to 2. Kentucky. You know, you talk about a honeymoon being over. What about the one for Mike Leach and Starkville? What about Ed O's honeymoon down in Baton Rouge after dropping that game to Missouri? You know, I'm not sure yet if this is the worst we've seen the SEC West look or if it's more about it just being more competitive than ever. But when LSU and Alabama look as sort of out of sorts as they have on defense the last few games like they have, the first three games, um, I tend to lean more to this potentially, only three games in, still a lot of football left, all that. I tend to lean more to the SEC West being more vulnerable than it typically is on an annual basis. Yeah, Roby, I, I, I know that there's still too much green too many times, uh, especially on the back end of the defense. But, you know, some of this goes on the players, too. You know, how long have you been playing football? How long have you been told or talked to about leverage? You know, get your head across, tackling fundamentals. And, you know, some of this you can point to the, the sort of dysfunction that we've had in society in general in 2020. You can point to no spring practice, which is a time when in terms of fundamentals, you really rep up a lot of this stuff. Um, But you did have 40 days to get in 25 practices before your first game. And yes, there were limitations based on protocol and things like that. I understand that. But now that you're getting into the fourth game of the season, especially at a place like Alabama, where you're talking about the elite, You're expecting to see more of a trend upward in certain areas. And, you know, once again, um, you're not seeing that as much as you would like. Yeah, Larry, I was wondering about Miami tonight, too, uh, in that game. I wasn't buying Miami, and not so much just because I didn't feel like Miami was a top five, top ten team, but I think Clemson's still really good. And, again, you talk about balanced football teams. Clemson's a balanced football team, and we give the ACC a lot of grief, and justifiably so. But, you know, I I don't think Clemson's unbeatable by any means, but uh, I think in terms of just being an all-around good football team, they're, they're pretty close to that right now. Yeah, I mean, but you knew Lane was going to have a game plan. And at the end of the day, in terms of, again, who he utilized, you know, it wasn't like Lane dialed up 23 double passes and a fumble Ruski or 12. You know, he basically just took his playmakers and got them matched up against Alabama's weaknesses, just like A&M did last week, and uh, maximized it. What else do we have before we get out of here on a Saturday night? 
Yeah, interesting day in the SEC. You kind of wondered, didn't you? Once you saw the early games, you probably thought, ooh, what could tonight be like? When you saw A&M beat Florida, when you saw Missouri beat LSU, even the Arkansas-Auburn game. How about that? Bo Nix spikes the ball backwards, which is a lateral, as I tweeted right when it happened. And the whistle blows it dead because the ref's anticipating the spike and he's trying to stop the clock as fast as he possibly can. seems like that clock gets stopped pretty fast in Auburn, doesn't it? But it's a backward spike, should have been a lateral, and a clear recovery by Arkansas. And we should be talking about Arkansas as on a two-game winning streak over Mississippi State and Auburn. All right, what else do we have? Yeah, Rebecca, Mac, and Najee. They were great. I thought the offensive line played pretty well for the most part, right? I mean, you had that sequence late where you had the missnap uh, from Landon Dickerson, and then you had the false start. I believe it was on Cameron Latou. False start on Deontay Brown, but, man, it's beautiful to have a guy like Devontae Smith just run a jet sweep to him and get some good blocking out on the edge. Um Miller Forrestall did a good job. I believe that was – was that John Mechie or Jalen? It was a good job out there in space, and Devontae gets in there for you. That's a good question, Richard and Angie. Um, not exactly sure. It starts with fundamentals. Until, until you see enough guys progress – in terms of sort of just basic fundamentals, like, again, taking an angle, leverage, rallying multiple guys to the ball, tackling better. Um, you know, you're going to bust coverages. It's going to happen. It's college football. It's still not the NFL. So you kind of understand that. But whoever you have on the back end of your defense has to be able to tackle. They have to be able to tackle. You know, otherwise, just put a kicker out there. You know, that's what kickers do on kickoffs is try not to get uh, their ankles taken out. Yeah, that's a good point, Shane. I thought for the second straight game, too, Brian Robinson kind of got it going, I thought, there in the second quarter. And again, I liked when Alabama committed more to pistol runs. And you really saw that. It was kind of a – it was kind of a continuation from the fourth quarter of last week. Against Texas A&M, Brian did some good things. Actually led Alabama in rushing because he had 56 yards in the fourth quarter last week. And uh, he looked confident. You know, I thought the goal line fumble on Naj- Najee should have had six touchdowns tonight. Um, you know, that's college football in a lot of ways. You, you've never seen. In comparison, it's amazing, too, because I've said it before. We work harder to protect professional football players than we do college players. In other words, in the NFL, the whistle is immediate on a play like Najee's fumble. And in college football, they let it kind of just go like a scrum. Sometimes that late whistle, that slow whistle, giveth, and uh, sometimes that slow whistle taketh away. A quick whistle helped Auburn tonight on that backward spike against Arkansas. Yes, they did, Stacy. Stacy with probably the best analysis so far. Alabama won. Two words. I like it. <laughs> yeah, Sark had a good game. 
I mean, but, you know, Mac is – he's playing at such a high level and the protection's really good and, man, there is such a chemistry. you got to keep those wide receivers healthy. You know, you saw Slade Bolden in there uh, again as the fourth wide receiver, and I, I think Slade can, can help. Um, but unless this defense, you know, really starts to pick some things up and maybe that happens, maybe that starts this week again, Georgia is not going to reinvent the wheel with a lot of stuff like you saw from Texas A&M and Ole Miss tonight. I'm sure they're going to incorporate some of that, but it's going to be more about the same matchups, but Georgia, even in that area, doesn't really, when I watch Georgia anyway, I don't see Georgia with a dynamic-type back. They've got physical backs, but I don't see, say, a Jerry and Ely or Ananias Smith, right? I talked about Trey McKitty, the Florida State grad transfer. I see a tight end that Stetson Bennett can go to. I don't see on the outside, you know. I'll say this for Georgia. I thought it was very impressive today to do what they did on offense with George Pickens basically a non-factor. They're getting some other guys that are starting to come on, um, but they're not exceptionally dynamic in the passing game. Stetson Bennett isn't Matt Stafford, but he's sort of like Mac Jones in that he's been around the block, he's savvy, and he understands situations, downs and distance, and he's got some guts to him. He's not afraid when he needs to even to take it on his own with his legs. Probably, I would say, eventually to a fault, because he struggles to get to his check down in the passing game. And he's been able to take advantage of sort of the newness uh, of him, of his presence, and that people haven't really figured that out yet. But, you know, that requires your linebackers playing at a pretty high level. You know, you still had some things tonight, just organizationally. I think it was, what, a fourth down play, and you've got two outside linebackers lined up on the same side. And so the back just goes out the back door for a big chunk play. And some of these guys are inexperienced. I understand that. You know, you're playing Will Anderson. You're playing Drew Sanders. These are true freshmen. But you've got some guys that have been around for four or five years now that still don't always get to where they need to be. So the osmosis maybe that you were hoping that had taken place in regards to some of your previous guys to the next wave, uh, we're still waiting to see that. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. D, I kind of went both ways with the outside linebackers. You know, I, I thought Chris Allen had a bust in technique where he stepped inside on either a third or a fourth down run. I, I think he thought he needed to rush the passer, but he didn't even think about the potential for run. He took a step inside and got pinned in the corner. That was a big thing tonight. The perimeters just – were softer than a baby's butt a lot of times. Not that the middle was all that much better because when it's third and 27 and Lane's trying to punch you the football and runs a draw, a throwaway draw play in the second quarter, that was kind of one of the igniters of the whole thing tonight too. It's third and 27, Lane's trying to punt the ball. I mean, everybody knows the draw's coming or a screen. That's draw screen all day long. And runs a draw where the middle of Alabama's defense parted like the Gulf of Mexico or something. And Ely goes for 22, and then he's able to convert the fourth down on the very next step, snap. Yeah, that, that's just 
that's galling when you're an Alabama fan or someone that's watched Alabama football. It's just, even for last year, even for last year, I, that would have been bad. But to see it this year, it's, uh, it's concerning. Yeah, it is. All right, gang, I'm going to go right. But as always, appreciate you guys joining us here on Instant Analysis Postgame Ole Miss. You got Charlie Potter coming with the updates. Uh, Kirk McNair will have the updates. I'll have five predictions revisited. We'll have continuing coverage throughout the weekend. So, as always, we appreciate you joining us on BamaOnline.com and, of course, the roundtable there where we like to mix it up. We have the game updates going for you throughout the evening on the premium message board for BamaOnline.com. But, again, we always appreciate you here. Am I looking there? Am I looking? All right. I think I got it. Hey, have a great rest of your Saturday night, everybody. Make the best of the weekend that you possibly can. Stay safe out there. And we'll keep you tuned in right there at BamaOnline.com. Good night, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.